to In the Country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country when music's the best. The latest news and memories, two great stories that get told. Spend some time in the country, now it's time we start the show. My pleasure now to welcome to the show world-renowned violinist Rosemary Siemens, and she has released her first bluegrass album. It's called Rosemary and the Sweet Sound Revival, 13 amazing tracks, and we're going to play a couple of them on the show here. Uh, She just got back from a big trip to Europe where she performed, and uh, soon enough she'll be heading out uh, across Canada doing some more tour dates. My pleasure now to welcome to the show Rosemary Siemens. Hey, Rosemary. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure to have you on the show and to introduce you to uh, some listeners of the show who may not know you before, and many of them will, of course. But uh, the album is called Plum Cooley, My Home, and that is named, of course, after your hometown of Plum Cooley, Manitoba. How did you uh, come to, first of all, to name the album after your hometown? You know, when I decided to do a bluegrass album, I uh, shortly after that, I got a call from my hometown. I live in Vancouver now, but I got a call from Plum Cooley, and they said they wanted to put up a sign in my honor and um, say, Plum Cooley, home of Rosemary Seaman. So then I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I would love to pay tribute to my hometown in return. And so I thought, why not kind of, in this album, I wanted to just kind of talk about all the beautiful things about small town living and because that's really what made me to what I am today. And I just, I love going home because I think it's just like, there's nothing like it. And so I just, it was kind of in giving back to them as they wanted to give to me. So that's really where it started. What an awesome sign to have uh, at your hometown. I did check it out online. It's very cool. And what an honor. And uh, we're talking a small town here because if I'm correct, uh, under a thousand people live there. You got it. And uh, you know, it's funny because when I decided to do this, I, I was like, I thought, who can I get to produce? And then I had heard, always heard about this quite famous producer and knew he was from Plum Cooley as well. And so I cold called my producer, Dale Penner, and I said, you know what, I want to pay tribute to my hometown. Would you want to produce this album? And he said, I'd love to. And, you know, he produced Nickelback and he got them their U.S. deal and he's now managing me as well. So the whole project kind of has Plum Cooley as the main center piece of it. So it's pretty special. That is amazing, and uh, we're going to hear some uh, songs from the album. You play a violin from the year 1714, so if we do the math, we're looking at about 302 years old, uh, called Mm -hmm. Sparkle, which you named, but tell me how you came into possession, because I read a bit about it online, but I'll let you tell the story how how this violin became yours. Yeah, you know, I've lived with a woman, a very special friend in uh, Vancouver who had kind of been like an angel in my life, really. And she bought this violin for me so that I could play on an amazing instrument. And so this was about 13 years ago now. And um, I went to Switzerland. She kind of told me the budget, and I went to Switzerland. And the best shop in the world is in Lausanne, where I actually just came from a few days ago. And um, and so I just, I actually went with my teacher at the time, and he helped me pick out the best one that would be best for investment and for playing for my career. And um, that's how I got my hands on that violin. And, you know, 
the the luthier that we bought it from, he actually said that it it almost like for sure played in King Louis the Fourteenth Orchestra, which is just so cool to think about all the hands that have touched and played this instrument and the souls it's touched. And it, I just feel honored to have it actually. So, and one of the songs on the album is actually about the violin. So. That is amazing to know. As you said, there's that much musical history uh, in that violin and the others who've played it before over the many, many years. And you named it Sparkle. Can, can you give us the reason behind that? <laughs> you know, I everything. anyone that knows me knows that I love shiny things, and I'm always in bling, and I had to write a song about it on the album, Barefoot right. Bling. And uh, I think it started from my grandma, who loved shiny clothes, and my mom is the same, and I'm the same. And so I thought, you know what? And I want the violin to be like a sparkle in people's lives and, and to have it touch people's lives. And I think that's what music is all about, and that's my goal with it is to touch and inspire and you know, just make people feel and hopefully impact their life in a meaningful way. And you've had a chance to play for a lot of, uh, let's say, famous people over the years, including former U.S. President Jimmy Carter. But tell me some of the uh, people and places, Rosemary, that your career has taken you and, and people that you've had a chance to perform for. Oh, my word. Well, the one that's a little controversial right now, I played at Donald Trump's house twice, so that was quite interesting. <laughs> Um, that was, uh, Tell yeah, us a bit about that. That was at his home. Yeah, that was at his home actually in Mar-a-Lago because I went to, I did a, ma- a master's at the University of Miami. So I did a lot of gigs in Florida, but this was actually after I'd moved away already and, um, an agent called to see if I'd want to play the gig and it was at his place, Mar-a-Lago. And, um, it was funny. It was at the height of Apprentice when he was firing everybody and I saw him there and I was, I was talking to him a little bit and I said, Oh, could I get a picture? And he's like, sure. And then he's like, he's like, you better play well. Are you going to be fired? And I'm like, you did not just use your catchphrase. <laughs> but he is, he is the king of branding. I tell you, everything in his place has his logo on it, from the toilet paper to the bottom of a cookie. I flipped it around, and there was chocolate, but with a gold stamp on the bottom. So it's just like branding everywhere. It's unreal. <laughs> Pretty cool. I mean, not many people can say that they performed at Donald Trump's home, so that's cool. Uh, who else or places that you've been to? Because I know it's a quite a list. Oh, man. Uh, Carnegie Hall four times. Um, played. I was the first violinist to ever play at the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican. And um, actually recently, The Edge from U2, he claimed to have been the first contemporary artist there and I, I actually wrote the blaze out of New York and I said actually it's not true I was the first one because like, they had given me a look and even a, a scroll and everything so I got that retracted but I was the first violinist at the Sistine Chapel as well as St. Peter's Basilica and I was just back there last week at St. Peter's Basilica so that was amazing and yeah I had wow. for all, with Marie Osmond and like loads of people but um, yeah it's just it's for me it's just I don't know had had some amazing experiences and just feel blessed to be able to travel with my violin and and uh, have just yeah it's it's I can couldn't ask to do anything else in my life it just brings me a lot of joy and I'm a lot, I love that I can bring other people joy in their lives so well that's just it yeah you're bringing so many people joy and you the violin is taking you so many places along with your great voice and mm-hmm. I think you've played at the Opry as well. I have never played at the Osprey, actually. That is my new goal. And it was so funny because I was in Nashville for Americana Fest and I had two kind of legendary um, Nashville people on my album, Carl Jackson, who's won Grammy for Best Country Album and 
And um, he wrote a song with me as well as was my special guest on there. And as well as Buddy Spiker, who's played from with any, like he's recorded with Elvis and Willie Nelson and Bob Dylan and you name it. Oh, and it was just, I was so honored to have them on the album. And, um, but that, when I was in Nashville, I said, this is my new goal. And my mom told me something funny. She said, when you were one year old, that was your first concert that you ever attended was the Grand Ole Opry. So that's my new goal. Oh my goodness. That's my new Carnegie Hall. <laughs> Wow! At, and do did your do you remember the artist, or did your mom remind you the artist that you saw at that at she that age know. of one? She didn't know. what she no no she didn't know the artist, but she just said that that was my first concert, which is, I thought was so cool because I just that recently cool? found that out. So. Wow! Yeah, I think I saw in a YouTube video you were in front of the opera, and I think that's why I thought maybe you had played there. But I think you were talking about something in the exactly. national area. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I actually when. When we were at Americana Fest, I got to share the stage with Cece Winans, which was so cool because she's such a one of my gospel, a gospel legend. But I just, when she started singing, it was the Americana Fest brunch, and when she started singing, I just wept because it was just so touching. And I usually don't do that, and I just thought that is a woman I want to be on stage with, and and um, got to share the stage with her later. So it was very cool. That is amazing, Rosemary. Speaking of people to share the stage with, do you have, and I'm sure you do, and it's probably a long list, but a, a sort of a dream list of people you would like to perform on stage with? Maybe you play the violin and they do vocals or a bit of both. Uh, anyone come to mind? Oh, man. I always, I don't know why. You know, I've always been one since, since grade nine. I've, I remember I wrote an English essay and I was in, on the farm and it was a, I was supposed to write an essay for my goals and aspirations, and I remember I wrote to one day play at Carnegie Hall, and at that time, I didn't really even know what Carnegie Hall was. I just heard about it on movies, right? <laughs> but I've always been one that has, has made almost unrealistic goals, and they've somehow always come into fruition, so I always had this kind of thing in my mind. And, but I always had this goal, I don't know why, but to always, I've always wanted to play with James Taylor, and so it's just, and it's not like I was, like, I always loved his music, but it was just something in my mind that I always knew that I would play with him, but I don't, it's never happened yet, but it's somehow it's always sat in my mind that I would play with him one day, which would be so cool. But um, some of the goals I'd love to, I'd love to play on the Ellen show and I'd love to play at the white house. Those are some other goals that I've had nice. in the past year. Yeah. I kind of like, I like making a list of, of goals each year and, and, uh, and you know, it's an interesting story. I, uh, my violin was actually stolen about three months ago. And, wow. um, I was I was playing a show in Santa Barbara, and I never never like leave my violin. And I had a friend carry it because I was I had gear in my hand. We went to the hotel where I had left my stuff for the day, and it was one of these outside facing doors. So you just open the door and you're outside. And so I went in to get my stuff, and my friend followed me in to help me with my bags. And I went out, and I it was maybe a minute, and I went outside, and I saw my wireless box in on the ground. I said, that's weird. Why is my wireless sitting there? And he goes, where's your violin? I said, what do you mean where's my violin? He goes, I left it right there. I said, what? And I thought he was mistaken. I was like, I ran to my friends. I'm like, have you seen my violin? Have you seen my violin? No one has seen it. And you can imagine this is like my third arm and my bow. I have a story for that too, but it was so traumatic. And I kind of went into a state of panic and we called the police and mm-hmm. I uh, I called my boyfriend because he had been through this. He's an amazing saxophone player, and that he had been through this with his saxophone. He kind of told me, he says, okay, go to, like, liquor store, go to the gas station, go on the street, go just look 
and my, I carry my violin in sparkly cases that I make for my violin. It's like clothing for my violin. So you, it would be very noticeable. And so I, and I had a gig at seven, I had to leave it on a flight at 7 a.m. for a gig in South Dakota. And I called my mom who was in Manitoba and I, I called her. She, I think she thought someone had died and I was just hysterical. And, and she said she would arrange that she would drive my old violin to my gig. It was about a six hour drive. And I called the lady that had bought the violin and she said, she said don't worry. She says, write a song about it. Or she said, somehow you'll get a better violin. She kind of put me at a little bit of ease. But, um, you know, we were about to, to leave. I had to go to the airport and it was about 4 a.m. And I was sitting in the parking lot in my friend's car and this black SUV rolls up next to me. And um, he goes, hey, are you guys looking for a violin? I said, yeah, actually, we are. I said, do you have it? He goes, no, I don't have it, but I heard about it at the gas station. And I still don't know how he found us in that, in that parking lot. And my friend goes in and he says, he says, are you, he says, are you by chance Christian? He says, yeah, I'm a Christian. He says, can we pray about this? And here we are in this, in our car and in his SUV. And we say a prayer together here in the parking lot. I work in the prison ministries. He says, I'm going to put the word out on the street and I'm going to give a $2,000 cash reward for it. I'm going to put it on the TV and I'm going to put it on the radio. We're going to do everything we can to find this file entry. And I was like, what? And I, I couldn't actually believe what was happening. And I, I was like, thank you so much. He says, we're going to go to the pawn shops in the morning to put your mind at ease a little bit. And, you know, I got, I got, um, I went to the airport and I was completely distraught, but I got to Seattle, my first stop, and they had put an email around the whole hotel to be on the lookout and such like that. And my friend manages the hotel. And I, I got to my first stop, Seattle, and didn't know, I, the dread set in because I didn't hear anything. And I was about to leave Seattle and I get a text message from the manager of the hotel. And she goes, we have found your violin. She says, oh a guy God. in a black hoodie, a guy in a black hoodie came in, disheveled looking, was not staying at the hotel. He came in, placed my violin on the hotel front desk and said, I hear you've been looking for this and walked out the door. Now, if you can't tell me that's a miracle, I don't know. To me, that's yeah. like, you know, and I have I have this song on my album called Half a Little. I think it's just so important to have faith, even when it's like everyone goes through a hard time. You know, for me, this was just, it was super traumatic because that's my mode of expressing mm-hmm. myself. It's, it's my livelihood. It's everything to me, you know. And for that miracle, because, I mean, one person's treasure is another person's junk, right? This guy didn't know what he had taken, and who knows why he brought it back. Did he feel guilty? Did he get a reward? Did, and I'll, I'll probably never know, you know, but it's just, it's such an incredible story now, you know. And I'm just so thankful to have my instrument back, because not only is that violin a treasure, you know, when I was studying at the University of Miami, this bow, I... Uh, there was a, a guy named Peter Biblis, and him and his wife, he was a retired surgeon, him and his wife were coming to watch some of my concerts. And um, they, they came to Switzerland to watch me perform and, and to just be part of the master classes going on and just to learn and stuff like that. And after one of my performances, he says to me, he says, Rosemary, he says, I'd love to buy a bowl for investment purposes because they go up in value over time. I said, great, we're in the best shop in the world here, right near us in Lausanne here. So I got my violin. I said, I'll try some bows out for you. So I spent the day trying out bows for him. And I said, at the end of the day, I said, Peter, this is the best bow for you. And he goes, you're sure, Rosemary? And I said, yep. And he goes, it's a gift for you. And it was a $15,000 bow. And, oh, um, wow. Yeah. He said, he goes, I said, I can't accept it. I can't accept it. And, and, and he goes, go thank my wife. He said, it was her idea. And 
and and uh, <laughs> but he goes, someone helped me through medical school, and he says I always wanted to return the favor. And you know, I shared this story recently at a, a house concert I was playing at, and um, subsequently I went to visit them after, like maybe a month or two after, and she and this lady of that owned the house. She goes, you know, Rosemary, I was so touched by that story that I know a 13-year-old kid that is very talented and he doesn't have the money to have an instrument. And he says, and because of your story, I went and bought him an instrument, had an instrument made for him. And so I always have this motto to play it forward. I have this hashtag, Rosemary plays it forward. But I think that's what it's all about. You know, I've been blessed with having amazing people around me that have, like, patrons and, like, just but I think it's so important to share these stories so that it inspires others to, to help musicians because I think it's really hard being a musician, you know. It's it's a mm-hmm. it can seem glamorous, but you're constantly traveling and you're you're constantly it's tiring and it's not it's not always what it seems, but as a musician you wouldn't do anything else. And so but I think it's important for people to see when people help musicians and because it used to be like that. There was always patrons helping artists, you know, and I think that that, that bond between um, maybe people in finance and stuff like that, that there's not a way for them to meet necessarily anymore. And so I think it's very important for people to see the value in that still. And so that connection can be made. And it was so special to me to have witnessed that first day forward that it did actually mm-hmm. play itself forward, you know? So, so cool. That is so amazing. In, uh, yeah. Amazing to see the power of music, but to the power of connection and uh, playing it forward. I it mean, is. it's just such a, it's, it's so inspirational, Rosemary. Oh, yeah, I think, but I think that's what it's all about. You know, I think everyone can do something to help somebody else, whether it be sharing a contact, whether it being helping someone financially, whether it being buying instruments. For me, my, what I can do is I can play for people to make them feel better. And so I do what I can, and I think it's important that everyone do their part so that you just make the world a little happier. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's turn to some music that'll make our listeners a lot happier, and then we'll come back. We have lots more to talk about. Uh, from her album, Plum Cooley, My Home, this is Rosemary Siemens, Rosemary and the Sweet Sound Revival. The song is Have a Little Faith on In the Country. Have a little faith Let's be thankful for this tender moment Can't see past the darkest days. Oh, have a little faith. Let's take a little time. It's so hard to breathe and see the silver light. But once you let it go, you'll find your peace of mind. Little faith. 
And that is Rosemary and the Sweet Sound Revival. Uh, you can get the album at iTunes. It is called Plum Cooley, My Home. And that song is Have a Little Faith. We have another cool song coming up later on in the show called Barefoot and Bling. And that's a fun song. Uh, your album of these 13 songs, it's bluegrass, but there's some other kind of sounds going on in there. You have uh, various influences. Can you talk about Rosemary, the music, uh, the different types of music you connect with? Wow. You know, I, I grew up, Playing, playing hymns in church. That's actually, you know, and I grew up singing a lot of three parts. I have a lot of three part on the on the album. That's why I called it the Sweet Sound Revival because I just love three part harmony and I wanted to bring that back and just have that that beautiful harmony on there. And but you know what, my I grew up, you know, I did my masters in classical music, so I have a lot of that. I think that's what's a little different about my album as well because I improvise everything I do, but I think that a lot of fiddle playing and bluegrass playing is very different than how I play. It's a different, different mode of playing. It's much more sustained and much in the way I bring my classical into that. So it has a little bit of that soul of classical brings a different sound to the album as well. So I think, yeah, I think that changes the sound as well. Now this question I've asked people before, and it probably to you, it's a silly question, but some people might want to know the difference between a violin and a fiddle. My understanding is it's the exact same instrument, just the way it's played makes it one or the other. Is that is that true? Yeah, that's exactly true. Um, okay. A lot of people would say, what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? They'd say probably $50,000. But <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. But no, you're <laughs> You're you're exactly right. It's it's just the way it's played. It's the style in which it's played. And so, you know, in my song, uh, Priceless on the album, it's about my violin. And, you know, I talk about it being a violin and kind of turning into a fiddle because it's, and literally in my shows, I'll be kind of go from a violinist to a fiddler. And um, yeah, it's just the way you play it. Very cool. Do you have violin heroes yourself or even music heroes in general, Rosemary, that you look up to and maybe have inspired you over the years? Oh, man. Yeah, classical violinists. I mean, but I always kind of, in terms of, I think this genre, I love Alison Krauss, and that's kind of what I wanted to model myself after a little about my career is that I can go from being a soloist last Christmas, we did it, my pianist and I did a tour with the Winnipeg Symphony as soloists to, to going and playing like a bluegrass gig. And I think, I don't know, I've just been inspired by so many types of music in my life that I grew up listening to ABBA and like, I love ABBA and I love, you know, just, and I think that's, that's the funnest thing about what I do is that I can just use my violin as a tool and go and jam with every different style. And I, that's what I love about what I do, you know? And um, I especially love, this album because 
I grew up, it's, it's what's closest to my heart and I'm a country girl by heart. And I grew up listening to gospel and to country. And so it's just a mix, a mix of that. And just what I have in my ear and my, and in my heart really. <laughs> There's a violinist named Joshua Bell, and I'm sure you've heard of him, Rosemary. Yes, of course. Yeah. Now, the reason I bring up his name is because I had a cool interview with a, a country music group called Diamond Rio, who, of course, were huge in the 90s and 2000s and still do great stuff. And uh, they've got a song on one of their latest albums called Walking by Beauty. And it's the writers who wrote that song uh, took it from that real-life story when Joshua Bell was playing his violin in the subway station. And I guess people passed mm-hmm. him by for whatever reason because... I guess the context of a subway station, and I think that was the whole test of it. But this beautiful song called Walking by Beauty, and it features the violin in the song. Oh, that's so cool. I know, I love that story. And it's, but I think it's just so true because it's all in how, how something is set up and how it's perceived and how, what kind of stage it's placed on. It's unfortunate that, but I, I, I truly, that story with Joshua Bell was, it's, I think it's so real in today's world because if you don't have the right stage and the right lighting and the right everything, it's hard hard for people to get past that because it's on how it's set up and I feel like it's in today's age I think that also because the training isn't there as much anymore like in Europe and stuff you still have the culture for instruments and but it's not as valued anymore here so I think people's ears aren't as trained either anymore and so they can't hear the difference between really high level playing and media I don't know I feel like it's not it's not so refined as it used to be that's what I feel Interesting. Now, uh, let's talk about Carl Jackson, because, of course, you collaborated with him on this album. Tell me, tell me the role he played and, and just how he inspired you uh, on the project. Oh, my gosh. You know, um, Mike Reno from Loverboy, he and his wife, Catherine St. Germain, they were, Catherine was really instrumental in, um, I, I played with her family. They're quite famous in Manitoba, and I did a show with them. And afterwards, she said to me, she says, she goes, Rosemary says, are you writing in Nashville and all? And I said, I said, actually, no, I don't really know anyone in Nashville. And she says, I got the guy you got to write with. He's the best in bluegrass. And she called up Carl and she showed him my website. And she says, she said to him, would you want to write with Rosemary? And he said, I'd love to. So, and I, it's right when my violin had been stolen. And so I called him up and I said, you know, I'm going to save this story for, to write with you. And um, when I got together with him, we sat um, we sat together and we just started talking. We both found we had a huge love for hymns. And so the first thing we did was for half an hour, we just played hymns together, him on guitar and me on violin, and just kind of bonded through that. And and then we wrote this song, Priceless, about my violin. And it was so special. What a, what a talented man he is. And, um, and, you know, it's funny because I, after doing that, I just thought, man, I'd love to have him on the album. And he's an amazing banjo player as well. He played banjo on the album as well as guitar. And, you know, how the whole album came to be, I had done a, I had done a song in the sweet by and by. I played it in a wheat field as my dad was coming behind me in the swather. And a lot of people just started sharing this and sharing this and sharing this. And I, I was, I, just, I had just gone to church and I was out for lunch with my boyfriend and he goes, he says, you know what? He says, I feel like that is your audience. That That's your home. That's your audience. These people from the country and people are just clinging to that and loving it and sharing it. And he says, I think you should do a bluegrass album. That's how this all came. And he says, and it's authentic to you because you grew up with that sound and and you should write and you should sing. And I thought, okay. Incredible. And so that's where that all came. That's how it started. I know over sushi, how funny, right? 
And he says, you should kind of be the Alison Croce. You should be the Alison Croce of Canada. That's what he said. And yeah. I was such a fan of Alison. And so I, uh, I sat there and I thought, okay. So it was in the sweet by and by that I played. And so I had done this writing session with Carl Jackson. And at the end of it, I said, Carl, I'd love to have you on the album. And he said, I'd love to. So the banjo tracks we sent to him and he played on them. And, um, and then I came back to do my duet with Buddy Spiker and to do a, a solo with um, Carl. I came to Nashville. And we had just said, you know, let's do a hymn the way we first started meeting. Let's, let's recreate that because that was so special to us. Played. He texted me. He says, and we're talking what song to do. And I said, well, do you have any suggestions? And then he goes, he says, why don't we do In the Sweet By and By? And it was so full circle for me because that's the song that started this whole project. And that's the last thing that we recorded for the album was, and it's the last thing put on the album, it's song track 13. And so the whole thing oh, came man. full circle from that song starting the album to finishing the album. And it wasn't even my idea. And I just, to do that song. And it, that just, to me, just kind of put like, you're on the right path and just, this is, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, it just was very, very special to me. Amazing. It seems like you have these great moments uh, of things coming full circle, you know, the violin yeah. that was returned to you and the song here. So, and I think it sounds like you, those moments not only happen to you, Rosemary, but you're very aware of them. They don't sort of go by you without you noticing they're there. No, definitely. I, I'm so appreciative of all those, all those opportunities. I think it's very important to be thankful and and to notice where they come from and, and be aware of that. And, and yeah, no, I think it's very important, but I have had those kind of serendipitous moments a lot in my life. And, you know, even, even the lady that I live with that bought, bought the violin for me, you know, she's been kind of a sponsor or not a sponsor, but a kind of a patron to me in even living in beautiful places in Vancouver. Thanks to her, you know, I just, she's been, she's allowed me to be able to do what I love. And it's just, that's kind of followed me in life. And I've just, and you know, my parents, my parents have always been supported. My mom started me at violin and piano at three. She was a music teacher and my dad was a church direct, church choir director. And, you know, from them, I was just in Italy last week and they came and they come wherever they can and they support me in my music. And I think it's invaluable to have parents like that because it's, it's hard to do what you do if you don't have that support. And I'm just so thankful Mm -hmm. to have that, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing to have all that, and of course, to appreciate it is uh, just the greatest thing. You did a version that's online um, of Hallelujah, of course, the great Leonard Cohen's tune, and he passed away very recently. One of his masterpieces, probably his biggest song, although he obviously has a, a extensive catalog, but that's the one people really connect with. Uh, what does the song Hallelujah mean to you? And when you performed it, you know, can you tell us how you felt? It's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I did that with my pianist. I have a duo called Brian Rosemary, where we do more classical and pop kind of influence things. And we, we uh, way back, we met through playing with the Canadian tenors and then called Destino. And um, we did a solo in our shows always with the tenors. And, and it was Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And I remember we did it like some 26 times in a month on, the, in, on a tour through Quebec. And that kind of came, became our signature song and we ended up doing a music video for it. And I just noticed as of late, because we did this music video and because he passed away, um, this has been getting a lot of, I think we almost have a hundred thousand views on it now. And um, it's mm. just to us, that's kind of our signature, signature song. And when I played at the mm. Vatican last week, we did that at, um, at the ambassador of Rome's house overlooking St. Peter's square. And it was just kind of surreal 
and um, kind of become our anthem. And and I just I that's one of the closest songs to my heart. And uh, I just I just love that song. And so sorry about his passing. Wish I could have met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such such a deep guy. I, I've been a fan of his for years, uh, as many people are, and love his music and his lyrics and just the deepness of what he did and the genuineness, uh, the kind of person he was. Totally. Let's turn to uh, another song from the album. This one's called Barefoot and Bling. And we've got bling in there, of course, because you like the shiny things in life. You like many things, but including the shiny things. <laughs> uh, your violin is named Sparkle. But tell us about uh, Barefoot and Bling. There's also a cool video for it as well. Yeah, this song is probably like the closest thing to my diary because I uh, I always love sparkly things, as I said, but I'm from the farm and I love the simple things in life and I love just like saying hi to your neighbor and people waving in the truck when you pass. But my pianist, Roy, once came to my farm, and we live on a century farm. My dad is 79 years old, and he still farms almost 2,000 acres and with my brother. And um, and so my pianist came, and he, he saw me, and I was in a blinged-out dress. I was barefoot, and I was driving a pickup truck. And he goes, now I really get who you are. He's like, you're this, like, down-to-earth small-town girl, but just love the city and love adventure and love everything like that. And so I thought, why not write a song about the dichotomy of my two worlds, you know, from <laughs> starting to travel at a very young age. And I, I remember I tra- traveled with the Mennonite Children's Choir. We went to Asia and to Israel and all over the place at a very young age and started my love of food, shopping, meeting people, and just just getting that vibe of of traveling. And, and But yet, when it comes down to it, the things that are most important are like family and home and just and so I just wanted to capture that and uh, fun shooting the music video. I, it was a crazy time when we shot it because I was just about to do my CD launch in Plum Coulee for Plum Fest. And I got the album literally days before and I showed it to my video guy in Vancouver. And he's like, this is the song we have to capture in a music video. And I was like, what? I'm like, the week <laughs> is only going to be on the field for like a week more. So literally I put together a crew of 25 people to shoot this video. And we did it as I was planning for my CD release. And we did it in about two days. I flew the guy out, uh, Lux. He flew from Vancouver and we had drones and we had everything. And we shot this amazing video in my hometown. And it's so cool because you see my town, you see our farm and you see my parents in it. And it just captures the essence of the beauty of my home and the beauty of small town living and the beauty of just like, I don't know, just everything that's close to my heart. So I'm just very proud of that video. That is amazing. And our listeners can either go to YouTube or rosemarysiemens.me, your website, and check out the video. But let's hear the song now. This is Barefoot and Bling from Rosemary and the Sweet Sound Revival on In the Country. When she was 17, she packed a bag and left that little town to find her dream. When she saw the million lights, she didn't feel alone. She welcomed in a brand new life and found her second home. She likes to go barefoot, wear a blink, sing. 
visit. Nothing there has changed. The fields of golden wheat will be harvested again. She loves her time with family. Follows her, she heads back to the crowds. She can't have two different worlds. Says it's not allowed. She likes to go barefoot. And that is Rosemary and the Sweet Sound Revival. The album is called Plum Cooley, My Home, uh, named after Plum Cooley, Manitoba, the hometown of Rosemary Siemens. And it's 13 tracks of her debut bluegrass album. And it's just wonderful. Uh, the album available at iTunes. And she plays a violin from the year 1714. Incredible. As you said before, Rosemary, playing that violin, uh, you're very aware of the musical history and maybe just how many people have played it over the years. Totally. And, you know, my dream is to one day have a live show and kind of a movie and live show experience with full orchestra and telling the story of the violin from like a tree to today and all the genres. I think it would be so interesting to kind of just, you'd have to create it, but create who has touched that violin, how it has inspired people and the journey and the travel, like it's probably been through wars and like everything like that. But I think it would be so special to almost put like a Broadway show together about the violin. Sounds incredible. I'm sure that's another thing you'll add to your list of things you accomplish, including <laughs> uh, performing with James Taylor one day, which would be so cool. And uh, wish you all the best, Rosemary. It was great to chat on the show. And of course, great to uh, share some of your songs. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and sharing my music and, hope everyone enjoys it as much as I enjoyed making it. That is awesome. I know we've uh, won you over some new fans, and I hope they head to iTunes to check out the album Plum Cooley, My Home. My guest has been Rosemary Siemens. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.